0: Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Quarter. I'm Alex Argo.
1: And I'm Alex Robinson. And
0: okay, this is episode 90. All right, guys, so this is our last episode of the year. We'll be with our audience for the next, oh, 30, 45 minutes or so, and then it's peace out for 2016. And then we'll be back in 2017. So, uh... I kind of want to start off with a little bit of like quick follow-up news, and then do a 2016 recap. I don't know if you guys recall, but we did a extensive episode, it's our first episode of 2016, where we made some tech resolutions, and we also played kind of a game of a buy, sell, or hold on a number of different technologies, and... I went back and listened to that before the show, so I actually did some show prep, and I think we might have some fun things to say about what we said in, in that first episode. And uh next episode in uh, 2017, we're going kind to of play this game again. We'll make some more resolutions that we can feel free to keep or break and maybe play another prediction game. How's the sound? Sounds great.
2: Do it. Ship it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> record it. So, SetApp. Are you guys following that much? Have you got your beta invites and tried it out?
1: I got the invite. I haven't had a chance to try it out yet.
2: I've been I've been using it uh, on my computer. There's a couple random utility apps that I have. And there's also, I think, an app or two uh, that I've already paid for that's in SetApp. So, uh, since I'm not paying for it, I'm just hanging out for now and maybe... If there's an upgrade to those apps, I'll use it. Um, but I, I think the the dude who makes whatever the, I, I, the only app I've really used so far is this uh, YouTube downloader app. So you give it a URL, it downloads a video for you. It's, oh. it's really the only thing I've been using uh, so far. So that dude would would get a pretty good killing off me where I'd be a paying customer right now, I think.
0: Because, <laughs> yeah, it's, what, $10 a month when in... Is there a target price when they release? Is it something like that?
1: Or was it lower? I heard, I heard $10 a month. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And then
2: yeah. it sounds like uh Mac takes a 30% um, cut and they kind of split everything else up amongst the apps that that person uses. It's not usage based, uh, but different apps have this mysterious, like a, uh, coefficient that gets multiplied out in front to figure out their percentage. So like, like a little utility app would have a lower coefficient than like some, you know, super advanced app with a whole bunch of features and stuff like that.
0: Like say Ulysses, the, the, uh, distraction free, uh, text editor writer.
2: Yeah. that might be one with a higher coefficient, but if I'm just using this, uh, this one, this one app, this guy—I'd be paying seven bucks a month to this guy for his uh, utility apps. Though he'd be making that pretty good. <laughs> yeah,
0: he would love you. Yeah. So I, I guess for me, my daily workflow just doesn't involve most of those apps that are in that uh, list in the that are in that program. Um, it's definitely got a nice selection of apps. It's growing. It seems like every other day I get a notification that says such and such new app showed up. Um, I feel like it does suffer from discoverability a little bit because you have to go in there and just double click on the little app icon and then it comes up with a nice preview window of what the app is about and it kind of shows you what would be like an app store listing. But it's not a great like Netflix browsing experience or say a Steam browsing experience. So I can't just read up on what all is there that easily. I have to go into each one of these apps and, you know, a lot of app developers, they come up with nice, cute names for their apps. And I have no idea what these things do by their names or their icons. So I found myself clicking through a lot of things going, okay, that's nice. Close.
2: I'm actually looking through the list right now. And, uh, there's a couple new apps that were added that I also have already paid for, um, and there's one one uh, app. I have screens, the like VNC client for your phone and the Mac client is there. And I never actually ended up paying for that. I would always just use the phone version. But the so screens screens is there. It looks like that may be new. There's a lot of there's a lot of decent apps that iStat menus. Who here doesn't use iStat menus? Are you guys like uh, minimalistic type people?
0: I'm a paid paid user on that one. So.
2: Oh, yes, that's another... I've paid for it, but if I hadn't paid for it, whenever the next update is, I'll just get it from here if I'm using it.
0: Right. It's going to be a value proposition. Yeah. Whether you will save money in the long run versus... Yeah, just paying five bucks a month versus, say, buying a couple of these utilities and apps outright. So... Yeah. It's going to gonna be MacPaw's... Um, Big challenge, providing enough value for people. And developers maybe aren't necessarily the target market either. That's fair. So another uh, little follow-up here. Uh, Josh Brown, who's been on the podcast a couple of times now, and last time he was talking about his book, Parsing JSON in Swift, he came out with a Swift 3 version of that. And if you happen to be following our Twitter account and caught it, we retweeted his uh, promotional discount code, but that happens to be expired now. So if you haven't gotten the book, it's still a good book, uh, even at the, uh, full price.
1: So, uh, Chris Latner presented at the IBM programming languages day, and part of that presentation talked a little bit about Swift 5. And the part that I kind of keyed in on was this discussion of concurrency. And uh, I think we talked in a previous episode hoping that would see like a, a Swift 4, but uh, I think we were expecting it to be kind of much later on the Swift 4 list because they, they still have quite a number of things ahead of that. Uh But the presentation outlines one potential implementation for concurrency, so you know, if you think about promises and reactive programming and, and a bunch of other ways of dealing with with all these async operations and trying to avoid the the cascading async calls um, and yeah, the pyramid of doom. Yeah, the pyramid of doom. So you, one potential implementation is the async and wait, uh, which is popular in C sharp and and uh, uh, probably several other languages. So. Uh, I think the important takeaway is that it's definitely something that they have planned. Uh, It sounds like they want to have a rough cut of it sometime next year for Swift 5 with it finally arriving at least in its first form in in, uh, 2018.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to see something like that. Yeah, I've recently started on a new code base, and one of the things that I've seen in there that just bugs the hell out of me is that these guys will basically declare these multi-line blocks. And I'm talking, you know, 20-line blocks well ahead of where they're used. And then they'll do this for like two or three blocks. Well, usually at least no more than two, really. But they'll do that. And so you get 40 lines of source code or more of these two blocks. And then you see where it finally gets called and you just have no context. And to, to have something like that maybe put in with a in the language where you have the async await, I think would really help out. And Unfortunately this is Objective C, so you know the block syntax is even worse than than normal. Here's hoping, Swift five.
1: Yeah. It you know, when we come back a little later to talk about some of the technologies that we discussed at the beginning of last year or this year. You know, I I think having that built into the language would Change some of those decisions,
0: possibly. Yeah, the next one on the list is definitely out there. I think it kind of stretches the the definition of what metaprogramming would be. <laughs> <laughs> but it's—it's it's a there was, this made the news article or the newsletter rounds this week, and it was called it's a little uh, program called Sorcery, and it's a more or less a code generator, but. Usually a code generator will say look at a database schema or some other kind of outside resource and then generate code based on that resource which is not metaprogramming but uh kind of a stricter definition of metaprogramming would be code that can define code so this technically does fall under that but it's not a runtime metaprogramming utility it's a more of a compile time or even, I guess, compile time or before compile time uh, code generator.
2: Well, it looks like you, like, run a... You have to, like, run a daemon or daemon or however you say that word. And it it just, like, watches your files and then, like, creates output and it's weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, some of the examples were... I mean, it kind of uses, like, a mustache handlebars syntax for some of the templating. But then it allows you to generate nice little methods on enums that you couldn't do without, say, doing other introspection inside of your app with, you know, like reflection. So if you want to, say, figure out the number of uh, cases in an enum, you can't do that in current swift today uh you would have to really just inspect your own source code and maybe hard code a method in there but sorcery allows you to define a template method in there that will add this to your enum types i would go back and forth on how useful it would be i don't know seems like a
2: cluster (laughs) (laughs) i mean if you're going to uh actually rely on this for anything substantial you got to make sure everyone's running on their machines and on your build machines Um, and then what happens when there's some has to stay up to date with swift so that's like another pretty fairly large dependency that you'd have for whenever the next version of swift comes out it just it kind of seems like a nightmare maintaining maintaining this unless it's like built into xcode or something like that
0: right well it does create generated code which in theory you could add to your source repo right
2: uh, but like one of the examples is the uh like in an enum you have an extension that returns the count of the number of items in an enum and if you had the generated code for that and then you went and added a new case it wouldn't have it in there
0: right that that's true i mean that's Like anything, like documentation and stuff, if you don't keep it up to date, it gets pretty useless really fast. It seems
2: like a maintenance nightmare to me,
0: but
2: (laughs) it looks, I mean, it's a cool idea. I just If only Xcode plugins weren't horrible, then, you know, this this would make a cool Xcode plugin that you could install maybe and not be nearly as
1: hard of a thing to use. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's a workaround for a lack of good plugins.
0: Or a lack of reflection.
1: You know, I, you know i i think you've all used like android studio or intellij or uh tools like that in the past you know that generate feature for things like um you know in java getters and setters but mm-hmm. in objective c or swift like generating the init with coder and um and the uh,
0: or is equal to and is at.
1: equal hash and yeah. things like that like those are fairly Tedious, uh, redundant things that you have to manually do every time. So, I can see value of that. But like, with the JetBrains tools, it's kind of built in. It's fairly easy to do. You still run into the risk that you add something later and you forget to regenerate it. Your encode decode doesn't work the way you expect. Right,
0: and yeah, and there are extensions and tools, or there are templates in this sorcery. Uh, project to to do those equatables and and hash codes and things, but yeah, right now for me, I'm not even using Swift day to day, so this was this would have limited utility for me on my day job, but not that I don't wish I was using Swift every day. That's another subject. Yeah. I would I'd like to see where this one goes. You know, maybe if it has a life beyond just a couple issues in a newsletter, then we'll see where it goes. It could be something that could make its way into people's workflows. But right now, it's definitely early days. If nothing else, it's it would be good to read the source code and, and see. I believe it uses source kit for the parsing for some stuff. I might have just made that up. <laughs> I thought I read source kit in there somewhere. Uh, I'd have to verify again. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, definitely would be interesting to take a look at. So here's the fun part of the show. This is where I'm going to kind of throw some stuff back at your guy, at you guys. uh Oh, <laughs> Well, you'll get a chance to throw stuff back at me too. It's a group effort, right? But um, you know, one of the things we talked about in January this year was Phil Schiller taking over the app store. And we said that it would probably be a bit of a shakeup. We weren't too confident in what was going to come like Argo. I think you said something like, well, it'd be nice if we got faster app reviews, but I don't think that'll happen. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? Merry Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully that trend stays.
2: Although, it's been creeping up. I don't know if just if it's just people uh, trying to get lots of stuff out for Christmas. I saw it was like at two or three days at this point for iOS.
1: And yeah, mm. the trend line's been up a little bit the last couple of weeks. Um, there's still people getting through, according to the iOS Review Times uh, Twitter feed. It's people st- still getting through in a day, but there's also other people getting taking longer than two days.
2: So, it's a busy time of year, and it's still better than what we had last year this time. So, overall, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And the uh, shutdown, Like I can't remember the dates last year, but I felt like it was a full work week. And this time it stretches over the weekend. So it's the 23rd through the 27th. So it's, you know, five days, but that includes the weekend.
0: Yeah. So likely by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll have been too late and you'll be in shutdown mode. But
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got the app that's been approved, but I'm not. I think I'm going to wait till after the the shutdown is over before I release it. What's dangerous, right? Because yeah, there's yeah. Something <laughs> there's, goes wrong. Oh, well, <laughs> <There's>, yeah, <laughs> yeah, at this point, because it's a good two or three days, it's, uh, the odds of getting anything in and through, uh, in that time frame is, is pretty unlikely. So I'm better off waiting a week and trying to, and releasing it after the shutdown.
0: Yeah, but it can be good for a developer too because if you get it out at the right moment, and you get a nice little bump from people downloading your new version, and say it bumps you up in your in the App Store rankings, those rankings don't get reset that entire week that the App Store is shut down. So you remain at your high position on the chart. And I don't think you can
1: change prices either. Which I you, know, you can I think...
2: schedule a price change. I th- I think the yeah. app. The rankings may update now. They didn't used to.
1: Oh, that would be a sad
0: side effect. Yeah.
2: But if you, can, re- if you can schedule, like, price changes and apps to go on to become available and all that stuff, I would imagine that the other stuff that's all automated would still work.
1: Yeah, I seem to recall EA. I think it was EA. Somebody took advantage of that policy one year. Yeah. And uh, marked down or made all their apps free, so they basically dominated the boards. Um, nobody could do anything about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, there are people are definitely cramming in their apps today. Today on a, on its own, I think this morning I had seven apps to update, and now it's up to twenty in yeah. a span of like twelve hours. So they're they're definitely getting those last minute submissions out the door, but. Yeah, uh one thing I didn't mention that I thought might be possible would be a sliding revenue scale. It wasn't quite the way I predicted it, that it could be go, but we did see we do have a sliding revenue scale now with subscriptions. It's uh maybe not the best yet, but we got the was it 30% the first year and 20
1: the next? Uh I believe it drops down to 15. Yeah, that's
2: what I thought it was too. Okay. So that's so
1: something. Yeah. yeah. It's better than
0: nothing. It's an extra 15% yeah. if you can hold on to those people for more than a year. Yep. It makes a
1: big difference.
0: Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. At, uh, at scale, for sure. Yeah. Plenty of people subscribe to Netflix for multiple years at a time. Not at a time, but over time. And for a company like that, it's a great deal. One section we had was tech resolutions. <laughs> it's one of those things. Personally, I don't like to make resolutions because I tend to not keep them, I guess.
2: Same here. I'm looking at this list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so last year we said, you, Argo, you said to ship something in with Swift.
2: I guess technically I did that, but I think by the same technical qualifications, I did that the previous year as well. So
0: But you did write some of the code this time, right? You actually I, did. I did write you know,
2: some of the Swift, yeah. I okay. guess I converted something to, to Swift 3. Yeah, all
0: right. Yeah.
2: It kinda counts. I, I don't feel like I shipped enough Swift for it to count as something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not a Swift master yet? No. Yeah. And uh so yeah, your your our resolution was ship something with Swift. Uh we'll give you if we were gonna score it maybe like give you 1 point. <laughs> oh, three? I think I
2: Oh, out of 3. What kind of scale has 3 points on it?
0: Well, you get 3 items, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want What do you want the scale to be? 1 I through don't know. is it pass fail or <laughs> Yeah, it seems like
2: a pass fail type thing to me.
0: All right, so you get 0. Nothing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did some decluttering of my tech items. That was one of my resolutions. Yep. My other one was Ship a VR app, and that did not happen. So,
0: yeah, have you messed around with any of these SDKs at all?
2: I've definitely messed around with it, but yeah, I've not not put enough time into ship something or uh, even to kind of get a good idea of something that I would want to ship. So,
0: hmm. have you done more than say like a basic Hello World in VR?
2: Not much more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, there's. It's still 2017. It's the year of VR, right?
2: It's like the year of desktop Linux, but... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll save our our resolutions for 2017 uh, until 2017.
0: Yeah. All right, Alex, this is your turn to get grilled. Your first resolution was to automate more routine tasks.
1: did a little bit of that, but not nearly as much as I would like. So, pass fail, what do you get? (laughs) I probably would say I fail on that. Like, definitely not. Didn't get it to the point where I really wanted to be with that. Seems like we're too
2: hard on ourselves here.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, everybody's pretty down on themselves. So,
2: high standards.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you did do your next one, and that was to create a project template. And we actually talked about that in our last episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I kind of waited till the end of the year. I finally got to that one yeah. and uh, made some progress there. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, still a lot more I'd like to do. You know, generally I'm not a big fan of code generators. That's usually a, a smell, but anything that could help us build solutions that are more consistent, you know, follow really understandable architecture, reasonable architecture. So did you
0: start this, uh, project template because you were, uh, catching up on your backlog of shared instance episodes and actually got to January and said, Oh, Mm -hmm. I need to get on this thing.
1: No, (laughs) not anything quite that simple. Just, uh, it's been something we've been trying to do in the office and finally managed to get some time. But I did, as I was finishing up and sharing the link with, um, you and Alex, I, I did think in the back of my mind, it's like, yeah, we talked about doing that at the beginning of the year, so I'm glad I got that in Under the Wire.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your next
1: one, work more with Sketch and other
0: design tools.
1: Yeah, So I've done quite a bit of Sketch this year. I actually just finished the big wireframing effort in Sketch. So I think I, I can cross that one off the list. I, there's certainly a lot more I can learn about Sketch, but Relying a lot heavier on Sketch than Photoshop this year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Photoshop's the one that, I, that I've got to pull out every now and then because i got a legacy PSD or working with a design firm that only works with Adobe tools.
0: Mm. Yeah. For me, Sketch has been one of those things that has made its way into my routine much more this past year. And I'm very happy with it. It's one of those tools that's simple on the surface and it allows you to dip down beneath that surface and and uh, harness the power that's inside of it and with not too much effort.
1: And yeah, I think if you're a developer approaching design tools for the first time, Sketch is something you can probably pick up and and run with and and feel productive almost immediately. But something like Photoshop or Illustrator, it's definitely a uh, there's way too many options right up front that it's hard to even really know the start, which I think to some degree is why Adobe now has the XD tool, the experience design tool, uh, which it looks and feels an awful lot like Sketch, but it hasn't quite caught up yet, with the exception of prototyping. It's got the prototyping built in.
0: Okay. Well, on Facebook, they released that new version of Origami that actually even integrates with Sketch. So maybe if you throw those two together, it gives you...
1: A lot of the third-party prototyping tools work really well with Sketch. So even though it may not be a seamless uh, transition from design to prototyping, it's still pretty easy. Um, Envision and uh, several of the others uh, support Sketch right out of the box. A lot of them support Sketch before they support Photoshop these days.
0: All right, so I've beat the two of you up a bit. Who wants to hit me with my resolutions?
2: I got this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, your first uh, resolution for 2016 was to ship a new personal app. How did you do?
0: That would be a fail. Yeah, actually, <laughs> going back and listening to the episode, I had to remember what that one I was working on was. And uh, I guess it's better to fail early than to <laughs> have taken it out, the, gotten it out the door and then failed. But it still would be fail nice fast. to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fail fast and often and early, and then eventually you get something. But
2: yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the silver lining. Uh, yeah, really, I need to make a more concerted effort to just drive something out the door this year. And it doesn't matter too much what it's going to be. It just needs to be something just to kind of break that streak.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a good way to get started for sure. Yeah. So, so the next item, I'm not really sure what it was. It says Redux with an arrow to re Swift. So I'm guessing. Yeah, you were converting something to re Swift from Redux, or no,
0: that's bad note taking on my part. Um, okay. So the item on my list was to investigate uh, Redux-like frameworks for okay. Swift, and named off two of them uh one was redux kit and the other one i think was called swiftflow but those two actually merged earlier in the year and became reswift and i'm going to give myself a pass on that one i investigated it All i right. used it i actually even shipped an app with it for uh my client bravo yeah and uh i was overall i was satisfied with it uh the version i was using was a little bit outdated. So when I kind of came back to the, or it was an earlier version. And when I did come back to the code, probably maybe three or four months later, I had to uh, update some things. And there were some things that had significantly changed that I had to kind of figure out what was going on because I hadn't been keeping up to date with that API. But that's, that's a problem we kind of accept when we bring in third party dependencies like that. But overall, I like the idea. I'm still not completely sure how to apply it in everyday apps. I still have I still have this problem where I've got all this view state, but then I have this other state in my app, like my database, for instance, or even a file store or NSC's or defaults. And I don't feel like that stuff should be in memory. So how do I use ReSwift with that? I'm still not clear on that one maybe it's something that requires more more research for something like a web page where you don't have really a lot of local storage or it's not really a a thing that you use redux makes perfect sense because your whole app is in your browser and it's in memory whereas an ios app is not necessarily that way i'm not i'm not completely sure yet
2: well at least you investigated i'd say you you did your or did your uh you met your goal so that's good yeah. Your uh, your final one was, uh, with your now old client uh, that you were at. Uh, move more towards Swift. So, did you did you move enough to stuff towards Swift to uh, satisfy that goal? Or
0: so we did. Uh, it came down when I by the time I left, all new development was taking place in Swift. So that's a a nice positive there. Nice. The, a lot of the stuff I was doing was actually with Rx Swift. And that was even catching on with some of the people as well. But definitely, though, there were those ones that had the reservations, or they were not necessarily uh up to date on it. <laughs> I know one guy kept calling it reactive cocoa. I'm like, no, it's not reactive cocoa. It's RX swift. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was our uh, predict our resolutions, and we're going to come back in 2017 with more resolutions, and hopefully. We'll uh actually follow through with all of them this time. Make that Sounds goal. cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, as a as a group, how do you think we did? I'd I'd say we did all right. Room Seems for improvement,
2: alright. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely we not a pr- complete I'm the, fail.
2: I'm the anchor here holding you holding you guys down.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we also did a section last or earlier this year. I keep wanting to say last year, but it was almost last year. We did a round of buy, sell or hold. And that was based on one of the podcasts I listened to on um, money, you know, stock investments. And they uh, usually have a guest on and he'll say, he'll have these different concepts and say like buy, sell or hold on this, which is what you would do with an actual stock. Like these uh, investment age, these rating agencies will say Apple stock, uh, we're going to, issue a buy on that because we see that it's moving forward and we're going to issue a hold on it because we're not really sure what it's doing or it's a sell because it's going downhill and it's never going to come back.
2: And we, we kind of, we kind of followed those guidelines, but I think we were a little bit more nebulous nebulous on what that stuff actually meant. But yeah, we can just go over what we said and how we think we did, I guess.
0: Right. We started off pretty easy. We all said Swift was a buy. Argo, you said you would get into Swift when Swift 3 was released.
2: And and to be fair, uh, the Swift 3 that I was talking about back then uh, included uh, stuff that's in Swift 4. So <laughs> I'd say I'm still on board with that. <laughs> I so you, stand by that.
0: <laughs> you're getting on board with Swift is more your concept of what Swift is, not a version, huh?
2: Yeah, it was, it was more about the the binary stability all that stuff yeah
0: you're a millennial you don't like labels <laughs> 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 wow oh, that's from a uh what was it that um uh, the, the guy who took over John Stewart's place Trevor, Trevor Noah Trevor Noah yeah he interviewed this uh
1: I don't know, she's a really YouTube, uh she does a facebook show
0: yeah some kind of like angry girl angry conservative girl column and uh, he interviewed her. And that's, that was one of her statements. I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. I don't like being labeled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, anyway, objective C we had said, hold on that. And I think
1: for the most part, we were on the mark with swift and objective C. I mean, clearly swift has continued to move forward. Uh, More and more companies seem to be moving in that direction. You know that's despite the how painful going from Swift two three to three is, and for many people they still have that ahead of them. So, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be forced upon them uh, in the not so distant future. Hopefully, once we get past that mark, uh, we'll be better shape. And I think Alex may have uh, may have dodged a little bit of pain by holding off a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, That's yep. actually one of the reasons I didn't ship an app this year. I had one, and then it was in Swift two. And then I came back to it a few couple months later, and <laughs> I no longer had that version of Xcode on my system anymore even, and I had to do a whole lot of updates, and I just never got around to doing that. Yeah, it'll happen. So uh MVVM, which was Model View, View Model, kind of an alternative to MVC. I was by on that one, and both of you guys were hold. And I don't know that this trend has picked up
1: at all in this past year when people talk about architecture i think it's still the dominant architecture that that is associated with ios development however i think there's still two challenges with it one is it means different things to different people and two mvvm kind of begs you to have some sort of binding uh, solution whether it's kvo or FRP or some other way of keeping your view model and your view in sync. Um, uh, and, right. and for me, I've been kind of holding off, hoping that eventually that becomes a little bit, those solutions become a little bit more baked in. And, uh, you know, for this year, I've, I've gravitated towards the model view presenter for two reasons. One, I'm not sure for some of my clients, I'm ready to pull in the reactive programming, the RX solutions. And uh two, you know, on Android, the dominant architecture has become MVP. So, you know, for my teammates who are kind of going back and forth between iOS and Android, some value in kind of standardizing on on the same same architecture, or at least similar. Structurally, they're not that different. MVVM and MVP aren't that different. And uh you know, we definitely could talk about that at length in a future episode. Yeah, I hope we can.
0: So another one was Functional Reactive Programming, and I think we were kind of across the board on that. Of course, I was the, the gung-ho one, the so buy, and uh, the other, YouTube, I think both said sell, uh, or at least hold. Seems like
2: I would have said sell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> You're going to have to get with the time someday. i definitely run into use cases where... And that seems like a really good fit. Uh, but I also know that there are there's baggage still that comes with that and the fact that it's not, you know, supported with semantics in the language and debugging a little bit more challenging than something maybe a little bit more straightforward. Kivio is you know one alternative and that has its own problems, especially from a clean code perspective.
2: But uh, I feel like the industry as a whole is kind of Maybe had a at least on on the iOS side has had like a, a slight uptick this year, but not like a, oh my gosh, everyone needs to use
1: Rx Swift or whatever. So, I and mean, we're definitely running into it more and more.
2: Yeah, but it's not like a, it's taken over iOS development at this point. So I think hold yeah. was probably the right
1: the right thing to do. Yeah, it's definitely you know it's something that a mature team could probably adopt, and you know be very successful with, but it's a little bit harder uh, to sell when you're writing code that somebody else is going to take over later. That's true.
0: I definitely like it for my own stuff. Um, It's harder to onboard a new programmer who's not familiar with it because it's, it's a different way of writing code. Uh, a lot of times, once they've done it, they actually sit down and and start to really work in that. World for a while they they see the simplicity of it and they start to enjoy it and then they and they actually even start to write their own. It
1: can be a a uh, tough wall to climb over at, at first. We definitely see it a lot on the Android side I mean that it's become pretty much a mainstream approach from what I can tell uh, for Android but uh, iOS I think maybe some of the challenges that there were several alternatives. And, you know, some of those started with Objective-C and then Swift came along. And I think to some degree Swift made the concept more palatable, but it also meant we were starting from scratch again. So we were kind of throwing out some of the previous options in in favor for some things that were built with Swift in mind.
0: It's true. Where as people really get their Swift legs and mature in their ideas of, what Swift should look like, or what good Swift is, they'll eventually want to branch out into something more, and things like Rx Swift and Reactive Cocoa, and even a, a few other the other alternatives out there. They'll be they'll be waiting. We'll see. Ah, uh, Cocoa Pods—the thing that we all love to hate. We kind of had predicted that something was going to Sherlock it this year, perhaps in June.
2: That was more wishful thinking, I
1: think. But... <laughs> <laughs> it definitely turned out to be that way. Yeah. So I think we have a yeah a couple more years.
2: But I think we s- we said hold right, so I'd say that's probably about the right thing to be doing at this point.
1: Yeah, we yeah. said we said hold, and
0: I've you know with the way CocoaPods had to rework some of its internals due to its hosting itself on GitHub, I think we might be seeing CocoaPods starting to run out of gas. If So, for instance, GitHub is a great repository tool, great free software tool, but they happen to lose something like $67 million last year. And if this keeps up, things like CocoaPods that rely on GitHub for its core infrastructure, they're not going to be around. So maybe something like Carthage or Swift Package Manager will the future, I don't, I don't know. Before CocoaPods made some optimizations, they were consuming a lot of CPU resources at GitHub. Uh, the GitHub people actually throttled it, throttled all the traffic for CocoaPods because it was just taking up way too many resources. You know, The, the GitHub people, they're, they're great. They're all happy about giving back to the free software community, but they also need to put food on the table and pay the electric bill i don't know we'll we'll see if cocoapods has gas to keep going
2: well there's nothing really else to to replace it at this point so uh, and i think we're all looking forward to when there is but it, it still seems to be like the de facto dependency management solution for for ios uh we talked about carthage too i think we all pretty much said sell last year and I don't know. It seems like it's maybe more of a hold. Not many people use it, but the people who, who do still are gung-ho about it. I feel like a lot of projects only have Carthage support and they don't have any intent to change that. I feel like so maybe hold was the right,
0: the right, the right one right for call Carthage on,
2: on Carthage, but
0: yeah, it could be. It declined. still is
2: at a, a lot smaller scale than Coco pod. So like. This is different from if you were like, all right, I need to pick a dependency management solution. I probably wouldn't suggest Carthage to anyone, but I think kind of as a thing that exists in the industry, it still seems like it's kind of just chugging along like it was beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I think
1: when it comes down to it, they both have their edge cases where they don't work as well, and neither is a perfect solution. And that's where SwiftPack, Package Manager was supposed to come in and fix everything. These great minds getting behind Swift Package Manager. And, you know, you would think companies like IBM would be really excited about it. But we haven't really seen... You know, we were we were hoping for a June release where we'd see it integrated to Xcode, in inside of Xcode, and uh, we didn't come anywhere close to that. And I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. Right now, it's, it's uh, not a bad solution for server-side or uh, client uh, command line development, but... Uh, not really something you can use for an iOS or tvOS project,
0: right? Does it still have the limitation of only building static libraries and not actual frameworks?
1: Well, I think that's part of the problem. Is we don't really hear that much about it. I, <laughs> I don't know what they've added. Um, I've gone looking, and you, you'll see a few mentions here and there. But generally speaking, it's it's not you know, the progress isn't necessarily as visible or as easy to. If you go to the project page. You know, maybe I'm just missing it, but you don't necessarily see a checklist. Here of the things we've got planned, and here's what we've got done. Maybe it's out there somewhere, and if it is, hopefully somebody will let us know where that is. We had high hopes for it, but uh, it's not quite there yet.
0: Right. Well, we still have next year.
2: So I'd yeah. say our, our call of buy was not correct.
0: <laughs> right. Definitely not. We had a little bit too much enthusiasm there, I guess. One thing we didn't have a lot of enthusiasm for, at least I didn't, was React Native. Argo, you were actually a buy on that one.
2: I cannot fathom that I was a buy on that one. Are you yeah. sure? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a matter of public record. Damn. But you were you were a buy with an asterisk in that. You I thought, would never
2: want to use it, but I think other people will. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that in my stance.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, it was more of a you'd like to see it replace the things like titanium and phone gap and stuff. Okay. That like, didn't. Well, titanium actually does use native. Widgets and stuff, but PhoneGap and these other hybrid solutions. You said that it would be a good thing, good candidate to get rid of all those other junk hybrid apps. I don't know. I feel like maybe the, the left pad issue, they might have stolen some of the React Native Steam because <laughs> maybe even JavaScript ecosystem, ecosystem Steam in general.
1: I think, you know, we, we run into a lot of different companies. Building apps as well as clients uh, that have existing investments. and I would say of the cross-platform solutions, React Native is definitely the one that uh, is getting the most attention that we've seen, the most interest. And I, I think you know I could definitely get behind it as a model because it does use native components. Uh, you know the React component-oriented approach to laying out screens makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, the j- JavaScript aspect of it I could take it or leave it i I don't know if i care one way or the other but
0: well es 2016 did come out and it does have like real class syntax and
1: stuff but yeah there's a lot of things in there that you know feel a little bit more like like swift i don't know why it couldn't just be swift (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know know, i think we could just get a better layout solution and, and maybe not not have to uh worry about react native but you know we've run into a couple of companies that made a pretty big investment internally to go down react native. And at the end of the day, they found it wasn't quite ready for for the scale that they were working at. Um, but we've also run into some people that were happy with it. You know, it's it's definitely on our watch list and something we might invest more in later on, but it's not where we would like it to be.
2: So I feel uh, like, so I feel like maybe my, my prediction was right then, I guess. I mean, you're, I don't ever hear about anyone who's like, we're going to make a new Cordova app. I think it has replaced that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think relative to the the, the other cross platform solutions, I think it definitely is, At least from our narrow window of the community, it's it definitely seems to be the one that everybody's talking about.
2: Yeah. And there's there's <laughs> the same problem. I think that you know, just like with Cordova and all the other ones that came before it, that a lot of companies are like, "Oh, this sounds like the you know the silver bullet that'll fix all of our problems for making apps everywhere." And it's not, and I don't think we, any of us, thought it would be. But I, I mean, you would have, I'm sure you'd have, you had just as many companies coming to you like a year or two ago, Alex, that said, "Hey, we built this phone gap thing, and it kind of sucks. We want to make something better."
1: Yeah, and we've we had we've had that quite a bit over the last two years. In fact, we had one this week um, that was <laughs> Titanium. Oh, and it's uh, if it were, I don't know if it would be any better if it were React Native. I mean, I don't know. Everything React Native a year ago versus React Native now, you know, probably would be a bigger effort to migrate than maybe Swift 2 to Swift 3. I Easily. Don't know for sure, but I, I can't imagine the tools are there to, to make that painless. There's definitely no migrator. Not that the migrator was perfect still. You know, I watched, uh, there was a presentation. I think it may have been the Swift language user group in San Francisco. Uh, somebody from LinkedIn presented on layout kit which was a pretty interesting talk. And it said one of the alternatives they considered was React Native. And the main reason they couldn't use it was that there's this funky patent clause in their license terms for the framework that basically
0: it's... Kind of like Facebook agrees not to sue you, at least for now.
1: No, it's more the, if there's ever any disagreement, this and all patent are basically, you know, you're giving up any right to any and all patents. You know, it's this weird oh, it's kind of
0: the the patent nuke thing, like yeah, the, the mutually assured destruction. If you sue us for patent infringement, we're gonna go after you for using yeah. this.
1: But I, I think it's 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 not so much mutually assured. It's the it's it's the you use this and you kind of give up everything. That any patents disputes that we might have, right? Because uh, it only goes one way.
0: <laughs> well, it'll, it would allow Facebook to yeah use up all your patents, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I, I can see why a LinkedIn or somebody who's in that same space would have quite a bit of hesitation to use something like React Native. And I, I think it's definitely something that everyone should be discussing with their company or client lawyer to ensure that there aren't other potential uh, ramifications um, because of that license. Like I definitely wouldn't use it on a client project without, and hey, this, this license agreement needs to be reviewed by your lawyer.
0: Yeah. But to be fair, it, the reason for that clause is actually supposed to be a benevolent thing it's just a, a kind of a, a nice we'll all play nice patent agreement whether in practice it gets used that way it's really hard to say
1: yeah but just you know it's a bit out of place compared to a lot of options out there so i can see why companies might take a moment to pause and and consider whether it's a, a good choice for them yeah
0: so all right next one up uh fast lane we had all said bye um still bullish on fast lane guys
1: yeah, I, I think so. I think uh you know we haven't seen any reason why Fastlane was a bad choice at this point. Um Twitter's definitely has had a rocky road lately in terms of earnings and and uh layoffs. You know, we, and- but we still haven't seen that have any major impact on on, uh, the Fabric and Fastlane teams, at least nothing, you know, visible, so...
2: Although I'd say over the last year, buy definitely seemed to be the, the thing to do, because it has grown a bunch, I feel like, in 2016. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And, it, and it's great when it works,
0: <laughs> and it's hell when it doesn't work. But most of the time it works. It's just usually when it doesn't work is when Apple There's throws a... version. <laughs> yeah, or Apple throws a, a nice little monkey wrench into the works. Yeah, I still think,
1: you know, when that does happen, it seems like it, uh, gets corrected fairly quickly and, and there's not like a, it doesn't stop the line as right. much as it could.
0: Yeah. And I, I would contrast that with CocoaPods, pods where they've seen issues that remained in their beta releases that were fixed in their beta releases, but those beta releases were a long time coming into production and where, so we had issues with CocoaPods pods that kind of stopped the line for weeks at a time, or at least held up, held up progress.
1: I had a few surprises this past year, things that were working, stopped working, yeah. unexpectedly. You know, sometimes not without even uh, upgrading.
0: Yeah, well, if Apple is... I think there was one Fastlane issue where Apple decided to enforce a certain version of TLS, and if you were running an older version of Ruby, which is what Fastlane uses, then you couldn't actually submit an app anymore. Or I think you couldn't even... uh definitely affected Match, so you couldn't even update your provisioning profiles.
2: Yep, until, I got hit by that yeah. one. I think it was Match that. Yeah. Or Cert and Psy. Aren't they called Cert? Yeah, Cert and Psy were also affected.
1: Yeah, those, those are like a little triumvirate there that all kind of go together. Yeah. Yep. And so. when we talk about our 2017 uh, buy, sell, or hold, you hold, know, SSL, HTTPS is definitely going to be on the buy. Hey, hey, but, no spoilers.
2: <laughs> we're going to cut that out and you're going to have to wait until next week to talk about it. <laughs>
0: all right. <laughs> all right. So our last question item that was buy seller hold was going indie in 2016 and everyone said hold and i would say that was probably a good call um you know that we talked about there not really being any great runaway hits anymore and 2016 that that held true i would say all the runaway hits were done up by bigger development shops like yeah. N- niantic and pokemon go and just recently, now Super Mario Run, and there's probably other bigger names that were earlier than that this year.
1: Yeah, the the big names definitely seem to be getting the press and the Apple support. I'm sure there's some indie developers who had a good year, but it's not as much of a story anymore for the indie developers from the press perspective.
2: And starting starting from scratch, like going indie, was the thing. And I think us saying hold was probably too optimistic. I think it probably should have been a sell. <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect,
0: um, I didn't hear about a lot of indies going back. Companies are going out of business. I
2: felt like there's a big, big Apple hiring spree earlier in the year, wasn't there? I, there's I mean, always it, there always is indies yeah. that,
1: that go take the corporate job. You know, I, I think where we landed last time was it's, it's not a build it and they will come. It's you definitely have to have a business plan. You can still be successful. It's just uh, it's going to you know, take more we, effort. We, yeah. Definitely more effort. I'm sure there's plenty of people who quit their day job this year and, and are, are doing fine, and I'm sure there's quite a few that quit their day day job and had to eventually go back and and get a, a new uh, corporate job. So
0: yeah, I've been listening to the, the Core Intuition podcast, and the last few episodes, it's been more, it really even been more of a running theme where uh, Manton Reese is trying to work on his uh, microblogging product and. Doesn't his and uh, Daniel Jalkit keeps chiding him for not having his Kickstarter video done. And it's kind of a running theme for the whole year. Jalkit keeps talking about how he uh, needs to ship Mar- a new version of Mars Edit yeah. and all these problems he's running into and just feeling kind of overwhelmed and
1: bummed out by the product itself now. So he he just needs to uh, get onto setup. Yeah, you know, bring it to a whole new audience, and that could Maybe. be a thing for him, <laughs> right? Possibly.
2: I think it's just another additional revenue stream. I wouldn't, like, bet, your, bet the farm sure. on it, but yeah.
1: Uh, it probably, ha- you know, it, it potentially could be more sustainable than some of the bundle options that, that we've seen over the years for Mac developers, and, and I definitely am optimistic that they'll get a great list of curated apps and it'll help those developers sustain their business.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to for it to at least
1: enable more developers. Yeah, I did get the impression that they were going to cap the number of apps and it would be a, a high bar to get on the list.
0: Well, we got to get in while the bar is low, guys. So yeah, I think maybe we'll have to redefine Going Indie in 2017 when we if we put this on our list again. Maybe Going Indie is not the lone coder, but maybe a small group of
1: developers working together yeah. and this year's been kind of a an odd year for people in the apple ecosystem losing I, mean, I think there's been this growing sense of maybe disappointment in the direction or at least visible appearance of where apple's taken some of the, the products that the developer community loves and it you know, maybe hasn't been giving them the attention so you know i i Can definitely see where developers might have been a little bit down this year, and
2: I feel like we've had the same thing in our with our entire country
1: too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this is this has really been a well.
0: If if we wanted to rag on 2016, it's been a horrible year for famous people dying, and depending on your perspective, elections and
1: no, it's just been horrible. It's just been horrible. There's no no, good for no matter which side. You know, it wasn't a good election for anybody. Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, yeah. And it's not just a U.S. thing. I think, though, a lot of other countries have been kind of watching it. It's like trying to make sense of it all. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe one silver lining is we've got a new Star Wars movie. So
2: Yeah, I like the new Star Wars movie. It was that's,
0: pretty
1: uh,
2: good.
0: It's
1: decent. The CGI Tarkin was a little off-putting to me. But oh. <laughs> that's, not well, sp- that's not a spoiler. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've got to complain about the Death Star. <laughs> I know it's hard to not have the Death Star when you're that's the whole point of the movie, but Yeah. They even took it into hyperspace in this movie. I'm really hoping the next one does not have a Death Star. <laughs> well it was a Death Planet last time.
0: Yeah, Star Killer. Switch. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Alright, yeah. well I think that's about all the time we have left this week. Uh why don't you guys uh tell us where actually that's about all the time we have left this year. So why don't you guys tell us where we can find you
1: on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And I'm at Sam Corder on Twitter.
2: And I'm at Alex Argo. You can find the podcast at Shared Inst. Uh, Join us in Slack uh, by going to chat.sharedinst.com. Give us some ideas for for what you want us to uh, decide, buy, sell, or hold on for 2017. Uh, And we'll catch you guys on the flip side.
0: All right. Happy New Year to all of you.
2: Later. Later. Later.